scripture lesson today comes from the very end of Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. This is how he leaves that congregation. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, Whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of our Lord. Amen. Well, as some of you know, my husband Al and I, we pastored a church for a decade in the Midwest. This church was in Florissant, Missouri, very close to the banks of the Missouri River. Now, people who grow up near rivers, they have a healthy respect for the power of these big bodies of water. They have respect for their power to irrigate irrigate crops and actually give life. They have respect for their power to provide transportation and endless recreation. And they have respect for the power of a river, especially a large river, to flood and change the landscape forever. But when I lived in the flatlands near the mighty Missouri River, The stories I loved the most were the stories of when the river froze over. My husband Al grew up in this town, Florissant, and he loves to tell the story, one of many of his stories, of walking on the Missouri River on a cold winter's day in the late 1960s. According to him, he rode his bike to the river's edge with a group of friends, and they stood there and looked at the frozen water, and they couldn't resist the temptation. Even though they knew it was dangerous, even though they'd been told, don't ever walk out on the ice on the river, you won't know whether it's thick enough to hold you up, they couldn't resist. They ventured out onto the ice, and to hear Al tell the story, They walked all the way out to a small island in the middle of that mighty river. Now, Al's mom, Vera Krumenacher, God rest her soul, she never knew about it. She lived to be 94, and he never told her. But it captures my imagination. Coming to a river's edge, seeing the ice, and then having to decide, do I proceed? Do I take the risk? Do I walk on it or not? Well, here's one way to handle the situation. 
I mean, you can, according to the TV shows I've watched, creep cautiously across the surface of the ice, right, on your hands and knees. This makes some sense because you're kind of distributing the weight, right? And you might be able to keep thin ice from breaking like this, creeping on the river. Imagine listening for cracking sounds, looking for weak spots. It may be slow going, but there is an element of safety here. Now, I want you to imagine that you're doing that, that you're creeping on the river like this, and suddenly you hear footsteps and humming behind you. Imagine you kind of cautiously look back, and this is what you see. Out of the shadows of the trees, there's a man, full-grown man. He's jogging, he's humming some tune, and he just jogs right past you with a wave, and across the river he goes. And there you are, on your hands and knees, trembling that this ice is going to be weak as he's whisking past you, upheld by that same ice that you're so afraid of. This morning, we're continuing our sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit. And today, we're going to consider the fruit peace. Peace. And I want to suggest that biblical peace, the peace the Apostle Paul calls a fruit of the Spirit, is captured in this image. This juxtaposition of two different ways to cross a frozen river. You see, the Greek word for peace used in Scripture is irene. Irene comes from the root verb, arrow, which means bind together, hold together, get it together. Irene, peace, is confidence and serenity that holds us together, maybe allows us to jog and hum over a frozen river, to move forward with confidence, to face the unknown. And the lack of peace or irene in the same situation would leave us creeping on all fours in fear and timidity, unsure that our feet are going to be supported or going to be safe. You see, the apostle Paul understood that the church, his friends, you and I, we need this peace. And in the passage that Kevin just read, Paul reminds that church in Philippi of this fruit, this gift, this manifestation of the Spirit of God. He reminds them that it will carry them through anything that they might face. Rejoice in the Lord, he says. Don't worry about anything. And the peace of God, which surpasses all human thought, will stand sentinel watch over your heart's and minds in Jesus Christ, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. In other words, the peace of God will allow you to get up off your hands and knees and run, not creep. Friends, these aren't just nice words, poetry. These are words written by the apostle to people he loved, words that he thought and perhaps were his very last. He wrote from prison. He wrote awaiting his own death sentence, stripped of everything, separated from everyone, and yet he shares the secret of true confidence, true power, even in really rotten circumstances. 
It's the peace of God, Paul says, beyond anything humanly possible that allows us to run instead of creep, to face challenges and difficulties without falling on our hands and knees in fear. It's the peace of God, Paul says, that makes the difference, that stands sentinel watch over us, that guards us. And it's the peace of God, says Paul, that's a gift, a gift that we are called to share with one another and the world. Earlier in this service, Pastor Stephen didn't stand up and say, hey, guys, why don't you just stand up and say hey to one another, did he? No. In this service, we stand and we share what? The peace of Christ with one another. Yeah, we say hi too. There's nothing wrong with that. But we share the peace of Christ because we know that that, that is what is needed for us to move forward and to stand securely. In John's gospel, as Jesus is preparing his disciples for his own death, he tells them of this gift. It's in the 14th chapter of John that Jesus says this, I have said these things to you while I'm still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. The peace of God will hold you together, Jesus says to his disciples. The peace of God will allow you to run and not creep. What a promise. A great promise for you and for me for a scared and creeping world. So that begs the question. That begs the self-reflection. That brings me to the one important thing that I want us to consider this morning. How then do we live? How do we live? Do we creep on our hands and knees with fear and timidity, uncertain of God's promises and power? Or do we run and hum on the promises of God? How does this church live out its mission in Christ's name with caution and anxiety or with boldness and joy? It is such an important question. We've been gifted peace by God's Holy Spirit, my friends, but there are times when we're honest that you wouldn't know it by looking at our lives. And there are times, if we're honest, that you wouldn't know it by looking at our church. In 1963, Walt Disney made an animated cartoon version of the childhood of King Arthur. I don't know if anyone else remembers it. It was called The Sword and the Stone. It wasn't exactly a box office hit, but our family enjoyed it. We, of course, enjoyed it on VHS tape, right? And in this Disney version of the King Arthur story, Merlin, the magician, is this wonderful character who's trying to teach the boy Arthur certain lessons in life. And he does this by turning the boy Arthur into different animals. 
And my favorite lesson occurs when Arthur's turned into a small bird. And of course, you know, he's turned into a small bird so he can learn to fly. Merlin becomes an old owl, and Owl takes the little bird to the top of a building, and he basically says, jump! And you know what happened. I mean, the little bird jumps, and he just starts plummeting to the ground. His wings just going, ah, like this. My kids thought that was always really funny. And then the old owl sweeps down by the little bird as he's plummeting to the ground, and he suggests that he stop struggling. Instead, lean on and support himself on the wind. Trust the wind beneath your wings, the owl says. This is before the movie Beaches, okay? (laughs) Trust the wind beneath your wings. And suddenly, the young boy turned bird can fly. Trust the wind. Trust the ice. Lean on and support yourself on God's spirit. Friends, this is peace. This is biblical peace. The ability to trust, to risk, to stand firm on the promises of God, to be held together in any circumstance, and to share that trust with others. I'm convinced that we all too often creep upon the promises of God instead of traveling on them. I believe that we stumble and fall when we struggle by our own efforts to lift and support ourselves. And I know that each of us have to learn to trust the wind of God's Spirit and to confidently step out and act on God's promise of power and presence. Thanks be to God, we are not left alone to do this. No, I think we are often sent guides mentors, and teachers to help us learn this important lesson. Just as young Arthur had Merlin in that old Disney movie, we have people in our lives encouraging us to face our fears, to trust, to have confidence, to step out in boldness. And I am proud to say on this Father's Day that for me, that person was my dad. I'm also proud to say that for my children, It was and it is their dad. On this Father's Day, I hope you can take a moment to be grateful for the many people in your life that have played that role, who didn't smother you or cover you with their own anxiety like I did my children, but encouraged you to lean into your potential and your talents, to run and not creep. And on this Father's Day, I pray a blessing on each of you in a position to instill such confidence in the young. Friends, we are heirs to the same promises of God that Jesus announced to his disciples, that Paul announced to the early church. We are now the ones promised by the Spirit, the presence of Christ, no matter what we face, the peace of Christ in every situation. The question is, what will we do with that promise? Travel confidently into the future or creep timidly? (laughs) Not quite sure we can trust the Spirit of God. Are we living as if our lives depended on our efforts and our work, or are we living lives undergirded by God's peace? Well, there are a few defining characteristics of a life of peace. 
The first of which is risk-taking. People who stand firm on the promises of God have the courage to take all kinds of risks, and I've seen many of you do it. They build buildings they can't necessarily afford. They give more money away than they're comfortable with. They get involved with people and ministries that are challenging and demanding. They take leadership even when it's frightening or terribly time-consuming. They love even when it's not easy and especially when it's not convenient. And they can do this precisely because they trust God. They trust that they will be upheld and sustained and given what's necessary to do the job. They do this precisely because of the peace that is guarding their heart and their mind. Secondly, such a life involves giving ourselves over more and more continually to God's leadership, to God's will, not relying on ourselves. When Al and I went to that church in Florence, Missouri, by the mighty Missouri River, we were 30 years old. I mean, we really believed that we had the experience, the knowledge, the education, the creative ideas, and all the energy to be great senior pastors in a large church. We were confident that we could handle the job, and that feeling lasted about six months. For the rest of the decade that we served those wonderful people, we learned to rely on God. Because most of the time, frankly, the job was beyond our abilities. It was beyond our knowledge. It was beyond our limitations of time and energy. We learned to let God take the lead. And as the old song goes, God never failed us yet. God never failed the church yet either. That is peace my friends, that is real peace. Psalm 81, speaking for God, says this, but I would feed you with the finest wheat, and I would satisfy you with honey from the rock. Honey from the rock. That is... uh, I I lost control, so thank you. This is the psalmist's way of saying God provides. It's the psalmist's way of saying God can be trusted. And it's the psalmist's song reminding us that the promises of God, they are solid rock for our feet, and they are sweetness for our lives. Friends, the time for creeping on the promises of God is over. The world needs more. God demands more. So let's run. Let's run and share the sweet life of trusting Jesus.